crossed up. Cross top. <laughs> Great. <laughs> cross talk. The cross table discussion about cross type topics. I'm Sam O'Banion. That's Nick Pannone. <laughs> this is going to go so well. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. It's Monday. It is. Uh, different from Thursday. But it hey, is. we had to do two in a week. And so welcome to the Monday version yeah. of Crosstalk. Or if you're just listening to this uh, 10 years down the line, Welcome to just week number whatever this is. That's well, right. What are you going to do? Uh, hey, we're in, I was almost going to say Galatians, but we're in Philippians. <sighs> Let's do Philippians that. 3, 1 through 11. Yeah. 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 Sh- uh, should we go ahead and dive into this? Yeah. Okay. Would you, would you call this the second most quoted verse in Philippians in this? Ooh. Sorry, I sprung that on you. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it. It's popular. I was going to I I think... This it has this has to be number two in my it, I think this is number two in my book of most quoted Philippians verse. It, it's it's got to be it, it's up there. But but here's the reason why it is is be, it, it's because we're back to this exhortation, this yeah. very devotional, uh, uplifted teaching for that, sure that we have. And so um, I, we're gonna, I think we're gonna run into a couple of these that we're gonna sit here and go. I think this is the second most quoted. I think this is the second, <laughs> yeah. one. and this is after the stuff that we read in chapter one, mm-hmm. right? So for sure, uh, cha- chapter one, um, that's quoted. That's the stuff you hang over your mantle. I think I did say second most quoted in the first chapter. It, who knows? Remember. Who knows? Who knows? It doesn't matter. It, it's a Philippians is a quotable book. Yes, so, correct. Yeah. So uh, Nicholas, why don't you read? Yeah, let's let's look at this. We're in chapter three, uh, verses uh, one through eleven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna go ahead and get get on this. Um, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah, this is... It's a powerful passage. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no other way around it. There, it to, there's not. It preaches so well. Uh, um, and it, it, it's a, it's motivating. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, to me, it's the definition of an inspiration. I was say, it cuts to the heart. It does. And, it, like pushes you forward at the same time. Yeah. Every now and then, when I read, particularly Paul's writings, um, I have this image in my head when he's writing something down and like the quill meeting the papyrus mm. and just watching smoke come off of it because he's, he, I picture him writing something like this 
like fervently. Mm-hmm. I mean, just with a zeal. Yeah. And so um, I, I think this this kind of fits the bill. This to me is classic Paul. Yeah, for uh, sure. This is one of those texts where people look at this and go, okay, yeah, clearly Philippians is written by Paul. Mm-hmm. Including like a couple words that are only used by Paul or used only once and it's here by Paul. <laughs> like, right. Which to me, Pauline is like great Greek and then throwing a word that no one else uses. Yeah, and there, <laughs> there's some rhythms and some patterns oh, yeah. that he gets into For as sure. well. So you, there's some expectations once you kind of dig into some of that. Um, but just for a little bit of context here, uh, we have moved into exhortation again. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is specifically exhortation on Christian living. Um, this particular passage really sets up the next section. Yeah. Uh, and so it would be a weird kind of transition if we didn't have this. Um, some things to keep in mind. Um, we had talked before we hit record on here about do do we think he's addressing Judaizers? Yeah. Right? I believe he is, or at least Judaizing teaching. Mm-hmm. And here's what we mean by this. Um, uh, Judaizers are a sect of <laughs> religious, uh, of a religious group, mm-hmm. okay, that believed the way to God is by obedience through the law. Mm-hmm. And so if you want access to God, you need to obey the law. Whereas Paul confronted that teaching and said, no, access to God is by his grace, and our our salvation is through faith. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which Paul took umbrage with this teaching, mm-hmm. right? But it is important for us to remember a couple things with this, that Paul traveled the road of the Judaizer. He traveled the road of the false teacher, right? Uh, He also had firsthand knowledge of the weakness of this teaching. Uh, You're going to hear the word legalism, I think, uh, come up in this. Um, Paul has firsthand knowledge of legalism. He was a legalistic teacher. Yeah. uh, As for the law, blameless, right? So when we get to chapter 3, and we look at these 11 verses here, this is Paul's theological appeal against the false teaching of, of the Judaizer. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's what we're looking at. That's the context that, that we're looking at. And all of this is in light of how he, uh, in chapter 2, told us who Jesus is. And then at the end of that, uh, talked about guys that he's partnered with in, in ministry and, and took care of some business yeah, <laughs> with for this. Sure. So we jump into this. Um, Starting with this verse one, and I have a feeling that we're going to be digging into a couple words with this. Yeah. Okay. So finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and is safe for you. The first word, finally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this has thrown off so many people. Mm-hmm. All right. There are folks who write about this passage and say, okay, clearly we have some issues here because Paul says finally, and it's only halfway through the letter. Yeah. Okay, finally doesn't necessarily mean finally. Yeah. This word, uh, lapos, or lapos, right, Mm -hmm. uh, is a word that helps you redirect the direction of what you're doing. So it literally means toward the rest or the rest of the whole. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's get back on track now. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We talked about Timothy and Epaphrodites. Let's get back on track. It's a really fancy way of going anyway. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. So I have a question for you. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. All right. He says it's no trouble for me to write to you again. Okay. What do you think is his repeated message? Oh, man. I, that's what when, when we started, you're like, okay, verse one, we're probably going to spend some time talking about <laughs> right. words here. 
my first I wanted to say and just what he's talking about because yeah. in especially in the ESV it's to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Mm-hmm. It's just confusing mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what why is it safe for them to receive a repeated letter or theme. Yeah. I, I will say I think it's important to know that his original audience, the Philippians, would not be confused by yeah. Oh yeah. What it's confusing for us it's for confusing, sure. Confusing for us two thousand years later in a different language that has gone through a couple translations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so what I came up with <laughs> and not what I necessarily know to be true. Good. Um is he's basically I don't know basically what I understood it to be is if I'm repeating myself, it's like I'm not troubled by it. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it's confirming for you. Yeah. Not safe, but like this. Basically, what I read one commentary say that he's saying, if I'm repeating myself, don't tune me out. Because right. it's not like I'm not wasting my time and it's confirming you and what you've already been taught. Okay. So I I found it's not really a debate, but just a couple different observations that I, I saw in, in my research. I, I saw some folks say that his repeated message is rejoice. Mm. Uh, and you can make a case for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all over. It, it, it's all over. Um, I'm, I'm not on board with that being the thing that he's referring to as, as far as repeating. I, I believe it's this uh, warning of the Judaizing opponents. Mm. Okay? Uh, you said confirming. Uh, I... I I, I'm going to say there's some security in that. That, to mm-hmm. me, is the safeguard. Yeah. Okay. So here's what played out in my head, and this is pure speculation because it comes on the back heels of his recommendation of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Mm-hmm. And Epaphroditus, we talked about how he was the guy the Philippians sent to go check in on Paul, and now he's sending Epaphroditus back. And I'm wondering if the repeated message here is, hey, from Epaphroditus, hey, Paul, Philippians sent me. We want to first make sure you're okay. Also, are we still good on this gospel thing? Like, are, 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 you've been persecuted, mm-hmm. right? We're not we're not changing our our, our march here, right? We're not changing our, our, our orders that, that, that we have. And Paul's saying, no, we are still on go with salvation by the grace of God accepted by the faith of man. Yeah. Okay. That's what I I think that would be, and I, I'm wondering if it just played out in conversation with Epaphroditus, okay? And I also, we don't, I don't know that, I I think the Judaizing teaching was prevalent throughout all of Greece in in Macedonia, where Philippi is, but we don't really have evidence of that being a a thing in the church. And like, I'm not sure that that's something that they uh, I'm sure they had an opponent that that they opposed that teaching, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that they were tempted to accept. Yeah, it's Hard because I mean, Judaizing was effectively the first heresy, like because yes. they had to have a effectively an ecumenical council about it, yeah. saying Acts fifteen, yeah, mm-hmm. saying no, you don't need to be circumcised, and that's right. what Judaizers are saying. So, is it pervasive enough in the within the culture of the church that they've heard about it? But then I, uh, there's such a small contingent of Jewish people in Philippi that right. you got to imagine they just heard about it more than they're dealing with it. Right. Well, but it did, like, it did invade other churches in Macedonia. Yeah. Okay. And typically what would happen is Paul would teach, Judaizers would come up behind him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that started, I think, back in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. 
but not again, not having a synagogue to la- lay back on, which is where we know Philippi didn't really have one. They just had a place by the river that Jewish people went to pray. Yeah, and then Lydia's <clears throat> house. Yeah. yeah, and so maybe Judaizers are like, well, we can't go. To, like, surely we can't go to Philippi. There's no place to hang our hat. At the end of the day, it's addressing the issue of the day. Yes, exactly. Okay. It's we don't. I'm trying to think of a problem yeah, in, the ch- too. I, in I, the church that we don't necessarily deal with. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, it, like, South, like, there's a problem within our, ch- like, within the Big C church mm-hmm. that South Rock doesn't necessarily deal with on a big scale. Right. But we would still talk about. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm trying to think. There's not a ton of things that we haven't dealt with. No, I, it, ours, <laughs> our problems be, tend to become internal yeah. quite, a, quite a bit and, and even personally internal. Um, yeah, in in addressing uh, addressing sin of any kind, yeah. that you address it kind of broadly, mm-hmm. and then you address it specifically. And I think this is sort of a broad view of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think it is a reconfirmation of this. Hey, you're good. Your s- salvation is still by grace. It is accepted. It, it it is accepted through faith. Let me affirm and confirm you. And that's like, what we're doing. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So. Uh, that that was kind of the first section of that. The next section, verses two through six, we get into the personal realm, and I think the best label I saw for this, the best title for this, is really the true circumcision. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a reflection on Paul's personal experience being the opponent. Yeah, right, being the opponent. Okay, so verse two, <laughs> great verse. This is great so, verse. It, it is. <laughs> This, this I am going to hang this over my bed. It 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 outlines itself, it's right? So All bad. it needs is a joke and it's a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the f- flesh. It really is like three point sermon right there. Boom, and boom, you just boom. need a thesis and a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pass the offering and we're good to go. <laughs> also, it has a great it has the name of my next dog in it. <laughs> I'm gonna the Greek word for dog will be Blepo. Oh, not dog. Okay. Yeah. For no, dog Kunas. Ku- yeah, yeah, kunas or kuon. Kuon, yes. Yeah. So blepo is the word lookout. Yeah. All right. Blepete. Yeah, and, Blepete. and Blepete. essentially it's it's lookout. You, I, you think of the guy on the ship at the 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 top who mm-hmm. has the telescope, who's who's viewing things from from above, land ho, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's what that means. Be on guard. Yeah. All right. Be on guard. First of all, for the dogs, for kunas. This was a fascinating dive for me. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, for me it was the idea that uh the Greek dictionary I have was like this is the word for dog. And then it was like but metaphorically it's like an impure mind or an impudent man. And I went, "Man, people have been calling like bad guys dogs uh-huh for a long time. Like this is a Old it is thing, and even like in Hebrew, they call them like they have a Hebrew word for dog, which can mean impudent man. Correct. There now, okay. So let me tell you a couple things I found on this. It was a true like dichotomy mm-hmm. of, of things I found. So one place I found talked about the elevated place that a dog could have, particularly in a palace. Mm. All right. So. To my knowledge, I haven't. I didn't see anything that would like deify a dog. <laughs> yeah, but they were definitely uh, purposeful. Many of them guard dogs. Yeah. Okay. 
here Paul uses it in a negative connotation. I'm trying, I was trying to figure out how that could be. I found another place that said there's actually a culture within the Eastern Mediterranean first century that hated dogs. Hmm. <laughs> and so I was trying to kind of put those together, trying to figure that out. So the best thing I, I, I could see is that, yes, dogs would have a purpose, but they're not personality like we have mm-hmm. dogs today. So you talk to any dog. I own a dog. Okay, I need to make this very, very clear. And almost every dog owner that I talk to, yeah, this dog is a part of my family, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a. I would argue that's almost a Western thing more than anything. It, it, today, that is true. Yeah, I don't think uh, dogs were dogs in this culture. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference between the pet, the animal, and especially in a classed system. Mm-hmm. Right, a dog is not going to have a place of a person. Today, that does. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I don't want to offend anybody's dog or offend any dog owners while we're saying this. But I think Paul uses this in a negative connotation because dogs were seen as the scrap eaters. They were seen as the scavengers. They were, uh, they were highly used for hunting. And there's, you got to imagine they're still in the process, I mean, of being domesticated. They, like, some kind of. Um, there's, there's not, I mean... <clears throat> they're still a f- a f- probably a few thousand years into domestication, but we're several thousands of <clears throat> thousands of years into domestication. Right. And like, the, there's probably, st- there's still wild dogs in the area of this at this time. Like, yeah. And also go to other cultures besides ours. Yeah. And it, it's, there's still some of that too, that they were pets, that they were animals and humans are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even in, some eastern cultures it's like it's beyond disgusting to have a dog eat from off the table like if a if Correct. a dog even gets a scrap off the table it's like throw that away well like, yeah because nothing. the thing eats his own vomit yeah exactly <laughs> i mean so it, yeah we just have a very elevated view of dogs we and, do yeah. we, we we absolutely do and, and i know the pets are meaningful and i oh, know yeah. I, I, I their love my companionship p- is a role i love my puppy yeah companionship is a role like, if Maya's listening to this, Maya, we love you to death, right? <laughs> Companionship is a role for, for dogs. It wasn't necessarily the role here. So here, again, scrap eaters and scavengers. So Paul is using this, I think, to refer to those who pick up those who were not theologically grounded. Mm-hmm. So be aware of those, Yeah. right? They're, dogs are coming after not the main dish, but the stuff that falls off, Yeah. right? Okay. I mean, also think about... Jezebel getting ripped apart by dogs. Like, Correct. be aware of packs of people that will like rip you apart. Correct. <laughs> be aware of those along the path that will just tear you down or right. tear you apart for right. your faith. Yeah. Right. I don't see very many people control vehicles driving through my neighborhood, but I see a lot of animal control yeah. vehicles driving through my neighborhood. Okay. Uh, also, look out for evildoers. <laughs> Fun phrase. Cacos ergatas. Yeah. Cacos ergatas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which if you want to do some <laughs> etymological work with the word kakos, it's a, f- look that up, K-A-K-O-S, and fun dive. Yeah. <laughs> Especially it's in other languages. Um, uh, salvation, um, again, the evildoers, he called, he called those who believe that salvation was oriented around good works, mm-hmm. and he called them evildoers. Yeah. So again, dichotomy there. 
Um, but they're evildoers because the theology with it is ignorant of character. Mm-hmm. So for Paul, your character is greater than your activity. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who you are is more to the point than what you do. Mm. And one of them feeds the other. Yeah. And so we, we, we got f- to fill that in, which is good because if it's about good works, like the Judaizers profess, right? The, mm-hmm. the legalistic the view. Yeah. Then we're all evildoers because we fall short. Break one, you break them all. Yes. And in our dive into Galatians, we talked about that. that yep. Okay, you take that to its logical conclusion, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've got problems. Yeah. I I especially like the phrase kakus ergatas because mm-hmm. uh, it is evil, but ergatas means worker. Yes. And the idea of an evildoer <laughs> to me is almost like a Batman, like yes. beware evildoer, but <laughs> evil worker is like someone who literally like works for the benefit of evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to do like a literal Bible, mm-hmm. like a very literal Bible. Cause ergatas uh, and Greek can also be like agricultural worker. Yep. And I just want to be like, beware of evil farmers. Well, like, be aware of yeah, <laughs> evil yeah. farmers. Yeah. It is agricultural because yeah. it's that the muck, it's, right? Yeah, it's and it's the idea the of dirt. sowing seeds, like yes. you're in the dirt. What are you planting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you're you're exactly right. In in I, I I find it fascinating with that that again for Paul the theology is character. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. the theology is it's who you are um, in Christ, uh, and a legalistic teaching knocks that out, mm-hmm. and, and it just doesn't hold water. And he's, So he's building this case. Uh, then mutilators of the flesh. Um, yeah. So the word, and I know you've got some stuff on that word. Yeah, because I don't like mutilate the flesh. Yeah, it, so it, there's some quite literal definitions there that, that means mutilation by severe cutting. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the go connotation ahead and, is important, though. You, okay, so go ahead and spill on that. Okay, so the word is katotomane, mm-hmm. which does mean like to mute to cut against or to mutilate the flesh mm-hmm. that kind of thing so this is a very wooden translation but the connotation of it is basically false circumcision like correct an incorrect uh, incorrect circumcision and it's not the word that would be normally be used for circumcision yeah right and but it has the same base word yes which peritome is and katatome yeah and right. we're gonna get into peritome here in a, like literally three words yeah but um but kata means against mm-hmm. and so it uh, the root word there is to cut, mm-hmm. and kata is against. So it literally is like against the cutting, against the against the flesh, basically, against the yeah. cutting of the flesh. While peritome, which is the word for circumcision, is literally around the cut, or uh-huh. to cut around, uh-huh. uh, which we won't explain what that means. But, no, but um, that's where we get our word per- perimeter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay. so... Um, and so, yeah, that's why I don't like beware of the mutilators of the flesh, because that's... I went on the road before I, because in my Greek books, mm-hmm. it said, yeah, people who mutilate flesh, mm-hmm. flesh mutilators. And so I went through this deep dive of, because I don't, I know this happened somewhat, right. but what ancient religions specific to the Mediterranean worshipped via self-flagellation and the cutting of the flesh? Because we have some of that in... First Kings, First Kings with uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, 
where the prophets of Baal are cutting their flesh as they worship Baal and they're screaming and they're wailing. And we have a little bit of that, but there's really not at this time period, a couple hundred, maybe even a thousand years later of ancient Mediterranean religions mutilating their flesh for worship. Right. And so I, that's where I think this translation just, they go too much into the denotation of what the word is mm-hmm. of going, Oh yeah. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh. Cause that immediately for me got me thinking of, okay, well who like, is this like a religious organization that's like, ah, yes, you must worship God by cutting yourself. And it's like, kind of the Jewish people are saying they need to, you need to be circumcised to, to worship correctly, but mutilate the flesh is too wooden. It needs to, I think it should be beware of those who are professing circumcision as the way to follow God and missing the point. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Beware of the legal is the, beware of the, what's a good word? The legality of circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. The, the circumcision was not an end in and of itself. Yeah. Right. And it, it, you apply that to really the whole law. Mm-hmm. The, uh, performing the law is not the end in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And it is comes back down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Paul it, elsewhere talks about uh, circumcision and spiritual circumcision. Yeah. Right. And so he, he, he sort of kind of draws that out a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, beware. <laughs> yeah. Just look out for those guys. Look out for the people that say you need to be circumcised. Correct. Because it's, it's, beware of the people that say you need to be circumcised because it is against the correct circumcision, correct. which is the circumcision of the heart. So you get circumcised, but you have no walk with God at all. Yeah. You you missed it. Which is the false circumcision, yes. which is katatome which instead would be katatome. of peritome. Yep. yep. You, you could be circumcised and never once know anything about Jesus yeah. at all or grace. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we, we keep going. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read three and then just the first part of four because I think it fits together right yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. Okay? So uh, verse three, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Yep. All right, before we get into his sort of resume, right? Uh, this is, again, an appeal to the spiritual circumcision versus the physical mm-hmm. circumcision. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, finds its roots in the Old Testament. Okay, just for reference, Jeremiah 31, uh, verses 31 through 34, Ezekiel 36, start in 26 and keep reading. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and you'll see uh, really the where, not just where the circumcision finds its spiritual roots, but why? Yeah, Around the time of the exile, you start to see a shift in not who God is, but God trying to help Israel realize why they're following the law. Correct. And so a lot of the minor prophets, and like you said, Ezekiel Mm -hmm. and Jeremiah, and a few places in Isaiah like that, are starting to say, I don't care that you're following the law. I care why you're following the law. (laughs) Right. And, uh, oh, who is it? Is it in Micah? I can't remember, but one of my favorite verses, and it's so funny that I can't remember where <laughs> it is, but God says through the prophet, like, I want you to break your hearts, not rip your clothes. Like, right. rend not your garments, rend your hearts. Mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And so... It, 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 and it finds its roots right there, and, mm-hmm. and it happens specifically around the exile because the ceremonial places are destroyed. Yeah. So how you, like, 
you what can't you sacrifice here, so guess what? I don't care about it. And guess what? It was never the ends. It yeah. was always a means to the end. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, you worship with your lips, but your hearts are far, far from me, mm-hmm. right? And so it's a, it's a redesign of that. So the physical circumcision um, really was about your identity with the Jewish nation, yeah. the Hebrew nation. Okay. Spiritual the circumcision. world's worst passports. It's the world's worst. <laughs> I, I, I say this all the time. Um, it, when Abraham is hearing his covenant, right? It's, uh, he, he, look, you, Noah got a rainbow. Moses gets the tablets. Abraham, you get circumcision. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm also in my 90s. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, Paul gives us, again, a brief sermon on the spiritual circumcision. Mm-hmm. One, those who are spiritually circumcised. Right, we are the circumcision. We worship, latruo. Right, this, again, connection to liturgy. Yeah, it literally means to serve. And I, I think that's a really cool dichotomy between uh, beware of evil doers, mm-hmm. people, beware of evil workers, versus we are the the true circumcision who serve. Who serve? Like the beware of the people who are of the false circumcision who are evil workers, mm-hmm. compared to us, the true circumcision who are just servants who You're serve. Correct. Correct. And it ought not be separated from the other two points here. Yeah. Right? Um, So we worship by the Spirit of God, right? We glory in Christ Jesus. And that word glory, uh, kakomai, Mm -hmm. um, it quite literally means to boast in Christ. Yeah, to glory in Him, to boast in Him. Yeah, so we we don't, again, beware of the dogs, the evildoers, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That's a self-righteous space. Yeah. And this is not. I don't boast on anything except for Christ died yeah. and raised again. I yeah. think sorry to interrupt no, one no, more no. time. Um there's if I could change the ESV one more time, uh-huh. I would do this. I would kick out the and yeah. and put a comma. Yeah. Because I wonder how many people read this as who worship by the spirit and who worship by the glory in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. Cuz without the Greek you don't know that's a verb. Right. Like right. I when I was reading this, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a I, I, I guess I've known, but it was just kind of a, another realization in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it, that's the verb to glory, not so we're this not is, worshiping in the glory, right? We're, we're, we're glorying. It's a boasting, yeah. Right? It's a it is a verb, and it's also sort of how Greek. Work. This is why they they call it language arts, not language sciences. Yeah. Right. So there's impl- the very next phrase has implications too. Yeah. And we put no confidence in the flesh, and it's uk patho in sarks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you have to, a sentence isn't a sentence without a verb. Mm-hmm. So you have to, it, it means no confidence in flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, we put no confidence in flesh. And so you have to I- insert that, which is the exact opponent of the Judaizer. Yeah. Right? That, that goes... Uh, truly against the mutilators, mutilators of the flesh, mm-hmm. the the not understanding the circumcision. Yeah. Well, yeah, so we don't put confidence in that. We don't say we're saved, look at look at my law-abiding self. Mm-hmm. Right? No, we're saved, look at the mercy I live in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Come through Christ. All right, so the back half, I, uh, we need to read this, I think, all together. Yeah, like, I, and I don't have a ton of notes on it because I... I, as I was reading, I was like, "This there's not like a lot of words to break down." First of all, I mean, yeah, if you, unless you want to talk about names, but mostly because these are all back upable. 
through other verses. They they <laughs> so they are, and again, he's repeating himself. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me read the back half of four, and then we'll kind of. I'm not gonna say we're a rush through this. We'll kind of buzz through. Yeah. Through, through this. Okay. So back half of four, uh, all the way through six. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Mm -hmm. All right, so if you're reading a good study Bible, you have footnotes galore right there to all the different things they're pointing out. Okay, so uh, we break this down. He essentially talks about I, I boiled it down to six things that kind of identify him in this resume of, hey, yeah. look how great I was. I mean, I was this guy, this Judaizing guy, mm-hmm. right? You want to talk about it? Look, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Was it, what do you mean? Well, when Abraham received his the covenant, mm-hmm. this is Genesis 17.10, that males are to be circumcised on the eighth day. If you, ha- if you are friends with a Jewish family and they, ha- they had a son— they probably performed these rites when this child was eight days old. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, also when that child would officially receive his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then he really talks about his identity with the Hebrew people. Paul is a Hebrew, mm-hmm. is a Jew. Um, specifically, he's of the tribe of Benjamin. I know that some of the hardest parts of scripture to read are all the begats mm-hmm. okay but they're in there for a reason and i tell this to everybody i once had an assignment i had to do where i read a 265 page book all about the begats and the only thing more boring about reading the begats in scripture it's reading almost 300 pages about it <laughs> is reading uh, good night it in in you can really get dizzy with this but lineage was a thing oh yeah I, yeah, yes. I still love lineage. I it, got, that, it, it's important. It takes work. Yeah, it, that's why Ancestry.com is still a thing. Like, <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, and, and a lot of other things. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, 23 so... 23 and me. Yeah, of the tribe of, of Benjamin. So he 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 got the identifier in the on the circumcision of the eighth day. He's got family. Hey, you want to check out this? I've got family. I'll go, go look at the tribe of Benjamin, mm-hmm. right? Which is still in existence there. Yeah. Um, right there, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, which is his credentials. Uh, then he gets into, um, we have our word kata again. Mm-hmm. All right. So according to is how this gets translated. Yeah. It, it, if you if you wanted to try to do this woodenly, it'd be very hard. It's <laughs> very difficult, especially if you're looking at a dictionary and then you're looking at this and you're going, okay. Yeah, it takes a little flexibility here. All right. So according to um, the law. Yep, I was a Pharisee. I want to talk about this for just a second, mm-hmm. okay? I know that when we say Pharisee today, there is an enormous amount of negative connotation that comes with it, okay? Um, however, the reason why that negative connotation comes to that is because there was a group of them that uh, were so self-righteous that they killed Jesus, mm. or they led the, in the killing of Jesus. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's not undeserved, but a Pharisee was an important thing. Yeah. Right. So e- even in Matthew chapter six, verse two, this is in the middle of the uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "Hey, your holiness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees." Yeah. 
right? It, so, it, 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 like, to be in heaven <laughs> requires perfection, and so you need to exceed that even of the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And he was pointing out we can't. We're in need of Savior uh, in that. But he, a Pharisee was a lover of the law, yeah. right? A Pharisee had a very strict interpretation of the law, and a Pharisee was uh, prided them himself on um, really an ethical consistency. Yeah, for okay. sure. Um, and so the, those things in and of themselves aren't bad things. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I say this all the time. Like, if it weren't for you know the half the Pharisees on the count, the Pharisees that were on the council, that mm-hmm. then we'd probably have a favorable view of the Pharisees. If all the Pharisees just decided to follow Jesus, and the only people that killed Jesus were like the Romans, mm-hmm. then we'd be like, oh, you're such a Roman instead right. of, oh, you're such a Pharisee inside the church. Because Pharisees were just like holy guys that wanted to follow the law and follow God they, until... For the most part, the problem is they were finding the the source of that in themselves. Yeah. So that's what made that kind of mentality evildoers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it really was about the ceremony and it really was about the, the performance of the law. It really devolved into <laughs> just... Yeah, a good word for it is ceremony of just right. like we're gonna go through the motions. Some of them we have record and, of even inserting themselves into the designer of the law. Mm-hmm. So the law says uh, recognize the Sabbath. The Pharisee says uh, to recognize the Sabbath. This is how you do this, and let me give you twenty six chapters of a book to oh do it. Oh my gosh! If you want, like yeah, the you, Talmud. There's like yeah, right, like, right. That's where we get so their teaching becomes law rather than the actual law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but Paul was a Pharisee. Uh, I believe I'd have to go back and look at this, but I think Nicodemus was one too. Um, it, when, when Jesus is interacting yeah. with him, so we we have conversion of of Pharisaical people. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember, there's two Pharisees, rich young ruler. I well, Maybe. we're speculating. I, I, I was to gonna say I, look. I can't remember because there's a um, Nicodemus. Gamaliel was one that yeah, yeah it that was Paul a, learned under yeah mm-hmm. he was a Pharisee that in Acts defends the disciples and basically they go well he well and you remember his defense was hey if this movement is not of God it'll fade away yeah and so and so there's speculation as to was he starting to get the picture even from his like uh, his underling of Paul I, I actually think he was trying to speak against violence yeah oh yeah, yeah. for sure but yeah. I think. To be, because you gotta imagine, Gamaliel was a big deal. Yes, and so this is a super sidebar, but it is for Gamaliel to have seen effectively the uh, crucifixion of Jesus, Uh and then to say, okay, well then let's like everybody calm down and let this run its course because if it's from God, then it's gonna stay, and if it's not from God, it will go away, and so that's a pretty big sentiment from a guy that would have been as zealous as Paul is saying he was here. An enormous amount of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. And so it begs the question, was he going to get the picture towards the end of his life? Right. Of, well, I was just sticking around. Maybe, uh, and my my guy Saul, now Paul, is on board, right. so maybe I need to listen. Well, he goes on in his list here, um, as for zeal, and zeal was a big deal. Yes. I mean, so that was part of the argument. How 
I mean, we, we think of Zion, Simon the Zealot, right? I was going to say, there's a whole yeah. Jewish sect called Zealots. <laughs> right, and it was it was attributed to them as, depending on your view, either as a positive thing or a negative thing, Yeah. right? And for Judaizers, how can you not believe them? They're full of zeal. We we still have this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Charism- char- uh, charisma, yeah. ca- p- charismatic people are really persuasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very persuasive. But he says, as for zeal, look, doesn't get any more zealous than persecuting the church. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he's demonstrating his love for country, by the way. Yeah. Um, through through <laughs> this. So look, I love, and and he says this in other places. I love the Hebrew nation, mm-hmm. right? I love the Hebrew people. In Romans, I think it's Romans, he even talks about how I would trade places. Uh, with him, if I could, uh, and that's I think that's why he includes us in here. If you're persecuting, if you're working against another nation, it was a promotion of your heritage. Yeah, right. I think there's still some of that now. Yeah, I, I think there's still. I think that's how violence and wars are created. For sure. And he's like, look, I was on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Right. And as for righteousness, you know, especially righteousness according to the law. I was blameless. You mm-hmm. could not find an error in how I uh, how I performed the law, and for Paul, this meant that he had this outward perfect record. Again, he he did the things that a good Jewish leader, soon to be rabbi, does. Mm-hmm. His problem was his heart was far, yeah, uh, from what God was up to. Um, yeah, he ba- yeah. It's and this is such a good. I think. This preaches so well because mm-hmm. you, it just basically is Paul going, look, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I did exactly as it was lined out for me, and I'm telling you that that doesn't. Right. It, that's not the thing that gets you where you need to go. Right. Like, you can go to church, and you can go to small group, and you can give, but you got to look at what your heart is doing. Like, if you're doing that for gain, then what gain is it? <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, we have modern examples, and we can go pretty extreme here, right? Yeah. BTK did the things <laughs> he, that he went to church, became a deacon, served, worked with scouts. I mean, did did these things. Clearly, his heart was far from the will of God, mm-hmm. right? Similar, I mean, not exact correlation here, but similar. Yeah. yeah you know, our hearts can be far from God because your character is of greater value than your performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this next, the back half of this moves a lot faster. Okay. Um, I want to read seven and eight. Yeah. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Yep. <sighs> Okay, before we get to what I know you want to talk about, all right, um, <laughs> the, the, the rhetorical technique here is this gain versus loss, mm-hmm. right? Um, and loss is, is this zamia, all right, um, which, which is, it's, it's, it's like painting a, painting a paper black so that you can see white letters on it, right? That, that's, I think, what he's, what he's getting at with this. Um, and he says, whatever I gained by my performance of the law, mm-hmm. I count it now as loss. Yeah. And it, it's loss because it does not result in the surpassing knowledge of Christ Jesus. Yeah. And okay. this, I've, I mean, I've, 
as someone who has been a Christian his entire life, grew mm-hmm. up in the church, uh, a Christian of Christians, born mm-hmm. of the tribe of Obanion Methodist, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. or Methodism. Uh, I've read this verse a million times, but it just, as I read it, it just like, it just cuts, ev- like when you're really focusing on it in the words, the idea of whatever advantage that I had isn't worth it anymore. Like, right. And, and I love, like, I'm going to just geek out a little on the Greek. He's, he said like the word gain, mm-hmm. I understand why they used gain because gain is better translated later on the, to gain Christ or whatever, right. but it really can be advantage too. Mm-hmm. And just the idea of like, this wasn't, an, this was advantageous to me. And he says, but now it's nothing. And then when he says, indeed, it's, uh, a la, a la and it's basically not even it's indeed is an okay word, but I love one translation says more than that. And I just to me when I read that in that translation, it I don't know why, it just broke me. He to, he said like this whatever advantage this was, it's lost for the sake of Christ. And he says, even more than that, everything everything is, is lost. Yeah. Okay, now we get to our word, right? Yeah. And not only is everything lost, all of that's lost. Uh, because we cannot perform our way into heaven. Mm-hmm. But I now count them as rubbish. Yeah. Okay. This is the Greek word scuba law. Mm-hmm. All right. You talk to anybody in ministry or any Bible study student, and this is, this is my favorite word. They'll, gi- they'll giggle first. And yes. they go, <laughs> you this is said my favorite, it. This is my favorite word. Okay. We, we need to do a little bit of a dive on this. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, first of all, I don't think rubbish is a bad translation. Yeah. No. Because um, you couldn't put the other word in there. Well, you couldn't put the other word. I did. I, there is an actual academic paper out there that says, is scubala a Greek curse word? Mm-hmm. Um, the result in that is, no, we actually find it being used in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay? The preacher of this loves to point out this is like a Greek curse word. Mm-hmm. Okay? There is actually a translation that exists out there that translates this word in this text in Philippians uh, three nine, or excuse me three eight, as crap. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't think that's wise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I understand why though. It's wiser than what if you are going with crap. That mm-hmm. means you wanted to go the extra step you to the did. actual curse word, but you're like. Let's be a little more wise. You hit, you slammed on the gas, and then right before you hit the wall, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a second. Yep. Okay. It's It does mean rubbish. It does mean dung. It does mean... Animal refuse. Yeah. A, refuse. Yeah, exactly. And it is sort of a slang way of saying it. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Okay. What do you have on that before I read something? That about was about that. it, honestly. That, okay. <laughs> I was just okay. excited to get to it. Yeah. All right. So... In, in the world of theology, J.I. Packer is a guy, mm-hmm. right? Actually, did you know he died last Ju- July? No, I didn't. Yeah. James Packer is his name. I just love that you said, in the world of theology, James Packer is a guy. Yeah, James Packer <laughs> is a guy. Like, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. There you go. He's, he's he, in our lifetime, was is one of the leading evangelical mm-hmm. theologians. Okay. Um, also, uh, he was English-born, Canadian-raised. You take that for whatever you want. I just want to read just a, a part of something that he that he writes about this. Okay, so scubala. In the secular Greek, this depressing word means rubbish, 
and muck of many kinds, excrement, rotten food, bits left at a meal as not worth eating, a rotting corpse, nastiness and decay are the constant elements of its meaning. It is a coarse, ugly, violent word implying worthlessness, uselessness, and repulsiveness. Gnostics applied the, the word to the human body to express their low view of it as the tomb of the soul. So that's in classic Greek, okay, <laughs> in secular Greek. In the New Testament, he talks about it this way. The only New Testament usage is Paul's in Philippians 3, verse 8, what we just read, where he says, Of all the natural and religious privileges which one seems sweet and precious, and all the things he has lost since becoming a Christian, I count, I estimate, I evaluate them as nothing but dung. The coarse and violent word shows how completely Paul has ceased to value them. Mm-hmm. It is not, no long, not only does he count them as that rubbish, as that excrement, right? It is no longer impressive. It's not, it's not even worth showing off. It's like, not worth showing off because we now glory in Christ Jesus, yeah. not ourselves. Which, again, which just shows how well Paul is at putting words together correct like look at all my accolades yeah this is but i don't count this as gain i count this as not even like it's almost not even worth me telling you at this point exactly that's how little i value this big deal i'm also writing this from prison yeah (laughs) yeah see where this leads me um i do i forgot there is one thing i had on yeah uh, scuba lawn um this is more just a fun fact yep than it is uh really cool or really anything Mm-hmm. It is assumed that it comes from a uh, combination of three words, mm-hmm. ace, kuon, and balo. So literally like, uh, what's the word? Ace is in, I believe, or mm-hmm. it's it's kind of in, to, into, toward, against. Kuon is dog, as uh-huh. we mentioned, and balo is to throw be out. cast out, throw out. So it's like, throw out, throw out the dog. Crap. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, it's, it's essentially yeah. what it is. The, the extra with the stuff that's not worth anything. Yeah. It's waste for a reason. But it's just, yeah, even that word, like the idea of kuon, those that eat mm-hmm. the scraps, and then like had the refuse that you need to throw out, and Correct. it's just a really interesting word. Yeah. But anyway. So for I Paul, get, his, his, hereditary, his heredity, his achievements do not bring him to Christ. Past, yeah, my past zeal and all that I all that I've done and worked for. He's an old man sitting in a jail and he's like, none of this was, I mean, it's just not. Yeah. Uh, It's a humbling thing to come to that realization, by the way. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's the part that preaches, right? Yeah. It's a humbling thing to come back here and say, accolades don't matter. Achievement doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also a freeing thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think in pinning these words and realizing these words, Paul is more free or freer in prison that he's writing this than those of us that would read this and sit there and go, well, I got straight A's. Well, I got this degree. Yeah. Well, I've got this big of a church. Well, I've got this amazing ministry. All this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a crazy, crazy wild thing. Yep. Identity is not in my achievement, in my doing. <laughs> I'm saying this to myself, by the way. Yeah. More than anything. <laughs> All right. Verse 9. Um, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness uh, from God that depends on faith. 
we've been saying this for the last hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a restatement. I, the only thing I put for this verse was, uh, again, if considering the flesh that's saying this, it's a big deal. Like he's saying, like, look at all my accolades, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, though. Like right. all that I had, all that I've done literally nothing like yes. there's no righteousness in it and now in verse 9 he's saying what his new posture before god is yeah right uh the one thing i will point out the word righteousness this is such a i think it's kind of a fun thing in here righteousness is actually a legal term mm-hmm. to which paul spins it and says it's not righteousness of my own it's a righteousness that's a moral alignment with god yeah yeah um so god's righteousness is gained by faith in christ okay then verses 10 and 11, I, I want to read these together because sure. it's so, I think it's powerful. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by mi- any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. The whole goal, the entire objective of all this thing we call faith is to know Christ. Yeah. That's it. To know Christ. Gnosko Christos, right? The power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings. Yep. We, we participate. I, I really believe the Christian life is the art of suffering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, we, and we share in that so that not just for the sake of suffering, but for the sake of participating in the resurrection. And I like, I like the Greek because it, it says to share it in the suffering, but the Greek is koinonia, which we... Fellowship. Yeah, which we talked about mm-hmm. extensively. But the, like I read, you know, share that suffering... But if you, th- but just thinking of the word, let's fellowship, like we mm-hmm. fellowship in his suffering. Yeah. Like we as a church fellowship in it and you fellowship with him yeah. in his suffering. To me, just again, connotation brings yeah. out so much more than like, oh yeah, we're sharing in that. It's it, like, I can, sh- I can share French fries, but if we're going to fellowship in your suffering, that's a different story. Exactly. <laughs> like we're going we're to love and commune and be and together. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, a big deal. And so the only other thing I'd put in there is we love to talk about resurrection, right? And not just the resurrection of Christ, but he, the, the Christ's resurrection is the pioneering resurrection, the trailblazing resurrection so yep. that we are able to as well. But the only things that can resurrect are, is that which is dead. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's what this whole thing is about, yeah. is, is the, the dying of the old self so that we can participate in the resurrected, glorified uh, koinonia. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Good, good stuff, man. Cool. Well, hey, yeah. that was Crosstalk. Uh, next week is Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Uh, we're already wrapping up Philippians 3. It feels like yeah. maybe it's because we took a couple breaks in there, but it feels like Philippians 3 is like, really fast it's only two sections i guess but it, it anyway is. It is. uh so as always if you have any questions comments concerns or want to tell us we're wrong you can email me at samuel o at southrockchristian.com or nick p at southrockchristian.com uh so i think that's it that's it so until next time uh we'll see you later